Oh. Okay, so, uh, hi, my name is Joanne. Recording in I, progress. Oh, I got it. Like, I got it. Um, let's start that over. My name is Joanne. I am uh, recovering, maybe recovered, hopefully recovered, um, Al-Anon codependent. I definitely feel recovered in many ways. Um, and uh, so I... Uh, it's funny because I'm talking about in, I'm, I titled it Inside Out because one of the things my sponsor um, will say often to me is recovery is an inside job, Joanne. It's not dependent on all the things around you. Like you can be in a total storm, but like recovery is about the fact that inside gets transformed um, and you can be okay even when others and things around you aren't okay. Um, and so uh, it's like it, it's talking. Yeah, I wanted to just talk about like emotional sobriety, um, which I think applies to all of us, um, as much as we all have our own different things in this open meeting, um, whether you're alcoholic or, um, you know, a, a drug user or, um, a food addict or maybe a porn addict. I don't know. Um, definitely we all need emotional sobriety. Um, and we'll get more into that, but I often think about like the best way to describe that is like, you know, the term like a dry drunk. Well, it's like, okay, they may not be drinking alcohol, but they're totally miserable and terrible to be around. So are they really in recovery? Like, are they really like, is this really the freedom that's promised through the, the 12 steps or other recovery programs? No, it's not. I would say it. Um, and so, uh, this emotional sobriety is a really important part. Um, and we talk about uh, within a lot of the 12-step groups um, about this three-part disease. Um, for me, as an Al-Anon or uh, as a codependent, I uh, identify with the physical allergy to adrenaline or cortisol. Um, and my body just does different things with it than maybe your body does. Um, and that's a huge part of, of my disease. Um, but then there's also the mental obsession that we all experience and also the spiritual malady, which is something that, you know, we're always going to be progressing in. Um, and so in this disease, whatever your disease is, um, we all have sickened emotions. This is something I, I was learning about, not only through Life Lab when I took it, but also I'm um, in my own 12-step journey. Um, and so we have these sickened emotions because we're disconnected to God. And for me, um, when I approached recovery, I kind of thought like, well, I'm fine. Like I got the God part, no problem. Like I grew up that way. I don't have an issue with God. I'm good with God. Um, but I realized that I actually, there's parts of my life that like are sick and that I wasn't letting God into and I was in denial of and I was living in delusion. Um, and so these emotions inside of me needed healing along with other stuff, but the emotions part um, that were unhealthy and I wasn't on track with God and on track with reality, I think, because my emotions were so unhealthy and, and sickened. And so the spoiler alert with this that I wanted to give at the very beginning is that there's hope. God does heal and God does rewire our minds and he removes obsession completely. Like that's a promise. And that was a promise I needed to stick with. Going through this work is not fun work. Uh, recovery is not necessarily fun. If you don't actually have this disease, I mean, it's helpful, but like, you don't, it's, you know, um, it's a lot. And so, um, yeah, with that, I, I am going to talk a little bit about Inside Out. It's a film. It's an animated film. If you haven't seen it, it's actually worth seeing. It's, it's 
meant for children, I guess, but it was really helpful. When I first saw it, I was like, wow, like this is such a brilliant film. And it was super funny and cute and it made me cry and it made me laugh. Um, and then I like, I've watched it a few times since. And so, uh, I was trying to think of like, God, like what should I talk about, um, today on Wednesday? And, uh, and so this kind of came up. Um, and so this movie is about a little girl. Um, she has a ton of emotions and we get to see five of them inside of her head. And so how they interact with each other. And we realize that her emotions are really pure cause she's little and like, they kind of seem to be just one thing. And it seems like joy is mostly running the show, um, in her mind, which is lovely. And I wish that that was the case always for me. Um, but, uh, it was interesting cause as I was just doing a little research about the movie and it was talking about, uh, there was a lot of psychologists that actually guided the film to make sure that it was simple enough for kids to understand, but it was also like psychologically accurate. Um, and so one of the psychologists that was like an advisor for the movie, um, he said this, he said, our emotions are really critical to how we look at the world, our perception, our attention and our memories and our judgment. They guide us in our handling of really important life circumstances like moves and developmental changes. The second thing is more subtle um, within this movie, and it's something that you know he, they were arguing about. And it, it says that people in different traditions like to refer to emotions with a social idiom or a grammar of social interactions. So meaning emotions, and this is what he's saying, emotions are the structure, the substance of our interactions with other people. So if I'm falling in love with somebody... Everything that I do in that euphoria of love, you know, i.e. like buying flowers or reciting poetry, uh, touching the individual's hair, it's textured by the feeling and it sets up these patterns of how we relate to each other. Those scenes in particular, like in this movie, he's saying like um, the little girl Riley with her fights with her parents and running away and then coming back are all about sadness. And that's really what he believes the film got right. Um, and this key thing that he, he centered in on was that emotions shape how we relate to other people. And I think we can probably mostly all agree with that. Um, when I took Life Lab, this was a huge thing that stood out to me, um, was, uh, we'll get into it, this behavior sequence, a sequence of like outside cues and inside cues and why do I do the things that I do and why do I do things that I don't want to do, but I do them anyway and why do I feel out of control? Um, and so all of these emotions that we deal with are things like anger and sadness, fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust shame, insecurity, vulnerability. Um, there's lots of other ones. Apparently there's like over 55 or something emotions, like all categorized, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, and the interesting thing is that emotions, even the same emotion can be both negative and positive. So it's like surprise. I, I like, I don't really mind surprise parties, but I also don't like being caught off guard by certain things. And so it's interesting, this complexity of emotions and how we deal with them. Okay. So the thing I thought that was really worth, um, sharing was in my life lab book. Dun, da, da, da. Um, on page 18, um, there's an emotional growth sheet. And it talks about like the, the different levels or, um, I guess aspects or the progression of, uh, emotional maturity. 
So it goes from an emotional infant to a child to an adolescence and to an adult. And the thing is, is that uh, I may be an adult right now by age, but I don't always act like an emotional adult. If you know me, even if you don't know me, you can probably figure that out because we're all human. We're all the same in that way. Um, and so sometimes I find myself in the infant stage. Sometimes I'm a child, sometimes I'm an adolescent, but I'm starting to learn how to be an adult. And I'm starting to put this behavior in, in, um, in my life, um, thanks to God. And I think the other thing I was thinking about too before I get into this was just that like, we're human. Our emotions are good. They're actually God-given, I believe. I believe that each human was was made with the capacity of all this stuff. We're not like these primal animals that, I mean, not, not to say that animals don't necessarily have emotion. And again, I don't know the psychology on that either. They probably do to some extent, but not to the degree that we do and not in, to the degree of interaction it seems that we have. It seems like animals, their main purposes are like reproducing, eating food, sleeping, finding safety, I guess. But like humans are so much more complex than that. Like we have friendships and relationships and how we interact with our families and like purpose and meaning and all this stuff. And emotion is like in the middle of all of that, I believe. Um, and so um, I'm going to read this uh, emotional growth thing just to kind of get us on track with like what that is. Um, and what that can look like in our lives. And then we're going to go through some behavior sequences, which will be super fun, I thought. And I'll give you some from my life, and you can peer into it. Here we go. So um, let's start with emotional infants. So this is what it's like to be an emotional infant. We look for others to take care of them or to take care of us. We have great difficulty entering into the world of others. We are driven by a need for instant gratification. We use others as objects to meet their needs or meet our needs. All right. Emotional children, they are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. They unravel quickly from stress, disappointments, trials. They interpret disagreements as personal offenses. They are easily hurt. They complain, withdraw, manipulate, take revenge become sadistic um, when they don't get their way. They have great difficulty calming, calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature, loving way. Okay, so that's the emotional child. Next, we have the emotional adolescent. Uh, they tend to be defensive. They are threatened and alarmed by criticism. They keep score of what they give so they can ask for something in return. They deal with conflict poorly often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting, or ignoring the issue entirely. They become preoccupied and occupied with themselves. They have a great difficulty truly listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or needs, and they are critical and judgmental. All right, and the last part, this is the goal, is being an emotional adult um, and this is what an emotional adult um, is like. They are able to ask for what they need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. They recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own faults and feelings. They can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. They respect others without having to change them. They give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. 
They appreciate people for who they are, good and bad and ugly, not for what they give back. They accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses, and are able to freely discuss them with others. They are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves. And they have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others. Um, and so, yeah, when I went through that list, I was like, oh, man, I got a lot of work to do. Um, but yet it was cool seeing the list of the adults. And I was like, wow, like, hey, I feel like I've made some progress. And I, I really appreciate that about recovery. Um, I feel like it's a pretty gentle environment where we are told that it's progress and not perfection. Um, for me, perfection is a problem because I want everyone and everything to be perfect. And that's a part of um, my symptoms as a codependent and as a, an Al-Anon. Um, maybe that's something for you too, of being just perfect. Everything has to be perfect in order for me to be okay. Um, and so emotions definitely are, are a part of that and that it is progress. It's not perfection. And so that was really cool to look through that. Um, and so there's this behavior sequence that I thought was really important to touch on. Um, and so what it is, it's like, basically you have an outside cue. Okay. You have what your trigger is. You have the people, the places and the things that set us off. They're the things that are actually beyond our control. We can't control them, even though sometimes we think we can and try to. Um, and then when they do occur, they prompt a change in our emotions and our composure often. So that's the outside cue, all the things outside of us. The inside cue then is the automatic thought that happens. Um, and this is the running commentary in our minds. Okay, so outside cue, something happens, it triggers us. Inside cue, all of a sudden something's triggered inside of me. And I'm like, oh, these are the thoughts that come. For me, often they are resentments um, or they're fears. Those are big ones for me. Um, and then we have the behavior. So I think I, all this stuff is going on inside my head because this just happened. And now I have a behavior. So this is the stuff that I do. This is my reaction. Um, so this is the stuff that I do. I ask myself, like, why do I do what I do? I, I actually do control what I do. I think that that was a big thing for me. Um, my experience of emotion not emotionally sober is that I blamed everyone. I blamed everything. I blamed, well, it's, if, if it was only was like this, if only I got 10 hours of sleep a night, my kids keep interrupting my sleep every single night. Like, how do you think I'm supposed to be? Of course I'm angry. Of course I'm going to react. Of course I'm going to be short with you. I can't help it. Not true. Actually, I technically can. Um, I do, there is some control inside of me. Um, but I guess that's the part even about recovery in going through step one is being like, you know what? Like I am powerless, like left to my own device, like devices. I'm, I'm powerless over others. I'm powerless over these things. And I come to believe that I need a power greater than myself, um, to be able to respond well and not only respond well to people for the sake of like them. It's not even about people pleasing. It's about my own peace of mind. That was a big thing for me is like my emotional sobriety directly um or or in sobriety directly affects my peace inside my head and that was a big thing for me and continues to be a big thing that I fight for is just being like 
I need peace of mind. Like I can't have these thoughts swirling around. Like when that person enters the room every time, do I have to freak out inside and be like, oh, what do I do? What do I say? And then get super judgmental or like self editing everything I'm doing or saying, um, or, you know, is that going to make me so frustrated or something is so frustrating that I have to go and find ease and comfort, whatever that is for me. And it's not good for me because I'm then trying to be in control of all of the things. So going back to the behavior sequence, the thing is that we have that outside cue, we have the trigger, we have the inside cue, the automatic stuff that happens in our head, and then we have the behavior and the outcomes. Okay, so um, I promised you personal examples. Personal example number one of my emotional sobriety. <laughs> Last night, as I was preparing for this talk, guess what? God has a really good, like, um, I believe God has a really good, uh, um, what am I trying to say? He just humors me, okay? He's got a good sense of humor, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm preparing for this talk, and my kids, I thought I wore them out so well by taking them on this, like, super hilly hike and everything, and, like, they were, like, exerting all this energy. I thought, perfect. I've worn them out. They're going to go straight to bed. No, they like their bedtime is like seven and, um, and they're, they're little, um, their bedtime is seven, but they, uh, they didn't, they were up and down, like just causing havoc and threatening to open up their baby sister's door and wake her up. And I'm trying to prepare for this talk. And it's like two hours of mayhem with them. And they're sneaking down. I think they're so funny and jumping off of shelves in their bedroom. Like it was insane. And I'm like, all right, here's an outside cue. I'm super pissed at my kids right now. Oh, so I'm mad at them because, you know, my outside trigger is okay. Outside trigger. Kids won't are disobeying me. They're not going to sleep. They're disrespecting me. And like, I'm just so frustrated. Like they won't go to bed inside cue. Well, that's kind of the inside part is that actually they're not obeying me. Maybe I'm a terrible mom. Like I can't even get my kids to sleep. They don't even, they don't respect me, but you know what? Screw those kids. Like I'm going to, I'm the mom. And then <laughs> inside the beha the behavior is a multitude of behaviors. I start off patient and kind. Okay, guys, like, I'll tuck you in again for like the 10th time, but the 11th time, it's not gonna fly. Or eventually, like, it's like, get to bed. You guys need to go to sleep. I'm so sick of this. You disrespect me. You're gonna wake up your sister. Guess what? Tomorrow, you're not getting dessert because you're disobeying me. So I start threatening <laughs> and like all of the things. So here's the outcome. Basically, most of the outcome is like, I think I did the right thing, but they ultimately do what they're going to do. And my outcome is I'm frustrated. I am trying to get this talk under wraps and praying the whole time being like, I really need to be able to do this. I want to be able to do this, but it's just not working out. Okay. So this is okay. So there's that one. Um, second one happened this morning. No, not this morning. It happened yesterday. Here's my husband, okay? You get inside my house right now. So my husband says, this is classic. He does this often. It's one of my resentments. <clears throat> hey, Joanne, what did you do today? Why aren't those dishes done? Oh, like, why isn't the laundry done? What have you done today? <laughs> okay, outside cue, big trigger. Inside cue, in my head, thoughts are, well, he's saying I'm lazy, He's saying that I'm worthless, that I don't pull my weight, that I don't contribute to our home, and that this is my fault. And then I also have the tape inside that says, well, screw him. Like, I don't have to take this. 
So the behavior is um, there's one or two that usually will happen. Either I will react internally and I will become resentful and bitter. Like I'll try to bite my tongue, but it will eventually like brew up and explode, you know, either later in the day or in a couple weeks or something like it'll happen. Um, or that time does happen and I react by name calling him or I just lash back and yell at him. Um, and I state all of the things that he doesn't do right. So I defend myself. So the outcome is, um, I think that I did the right thing. This is the positive outcome. Okay. I think I did the right thing and I feel justified in my decision or the negative, um, outcome could be that he fights back and we have a big fight and we say and do things that we regret. So (laughs) it's just like, I hope that this is making sense of like, what is emotional? Oh, oh man, I'm at 20 minutes. Okay. What is emotional recovery? Um, and I think that, or emotionally sobriety. And I, like I was saying at the beginning, emotional sobriety and recovery, um, it's an inside job. It actually is God transforming me from the inside out. Um, and so as we work these 12 steps um, or whatever steps you know, you're know you a part of, whether it's Life Lab or some other recovery um, process, but step one in some form or fashion just says like we're powerless, we're not in control and life is unmanageable. Um, and so because we need power, we find a power greater than ourselves. And he gives us power and he actually promises a life of um, that's full of freedom, one that's manageable. And the problem here is that I've been playing God. When I'm letting my emotions like run the show, I'm running the show. I'm playing God and I'm not God. I am ill-equipped to play the role of God. Um, I'm human. And so we are not in control of all these outside cues. That was a big thing I had to start to understand. I can't control all the people, places, and things, but I have a higher power that can come in and show me what self-control looks like. And also not only self-control, because sometimes that feels like sticky of like, what does that even mean? But I have a God that comes in and promises to heal these things. Um, As I've gone through, you know, resentments, um, these inventories, my fear inventories, I started to clean stuff up. Um, and it's by God's grace that it could get cleaned up. Um, he started to do work inside of me. Um, he started to transform it. And so like, as I've now been through this process of 12 steps and starting to take, um, other people through it, like it is amazing. I, I'm less quickly to react. And of course I blow it sometimes. Okay. (laughs) I'm human, but man, like it's, it's quicker to be like, for me anyway, is to quickly make amends. It's like, okay, I snapped at Josh, my husband, but you know, pretty quickly I'll actually realize like I own amends to this guy, like I, <laughs> to this guy, I, I need to apologize and like humbly come to him and say like, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't want to act like that. I don't want to treat you that way. I really love you. I'm sorry. You know, is there something I can do to make it right? Um, and he says, yeah, do the dishes. I'm just kidding. He doesn't. He, sorry. Um, he's going to listen to this and be like, yeah, that's what she did say. Or that's what I did say. Um, so, but yeah, I think just this idea and an important thing of like, this is an inside job, um, that recovery and transformation of our minds is not also like a magical thing that instantly and forever, like gone, done. I'm perfect. Like I have this amazing mind that's completely transformed, but it, it does require this everyday effort. Um, it does require me to surrender to God in humility. It, I have to start every day and say, God, like you're in control of this. 
I give you all the people, all of the places, all of the things that I'm not in control of. I need to know that you're in control so that I can be secure. I can be okay. Um, it requires, um, and, and I think that too, like how it sounds again, like how do you do this? To me, it's been through meditation. It's been through prayer. It's been in helping others. Um, it's been working these 12 steps. Um, and it's also been learning to sit with my emotions. Um, it's been acknowledging them and naming them and not running away from them or stuffing them. Um, it's asking God about them because sometimes I don't even know. I'll sit in these emotions and be like, oh, man, like, I don't even know what I'm feeling right now, but I feel like a jumble of stuff and I'm feeling anxious. Um, and so I'll, I have to take pauses often and ask God, like, what am I feeling right now? I'll journal about them and then I'll actually feel them. I'll feel sad and be like, I'm sad right now and that's okay. Um, and ultimately this is just like giving my emotions to God and asking God for me to just, can you transform these? Like, can you make these healthy? Can you make these which are intended for good? Can you make them good and not something that's scary for me? Um, and so, yeah, I'm out of time guys, but, uh, I think that at the end of the day, I just really want to say that there is hope. God does retrain and rewire our brains um, if we let him, if we're willing. Um, and we don't have to live out of fear. We get to live actually a life that's um, full of love um, and a place living out of like true security. And that I can be okay even when all the stuff outside of me isn't. That's what I got.